Greetings, Seamheads, far and wide. Welcome into the Blake Street Irregulars podcast. I am Casey Light, joined by Benny Bash, co-host of Morning Mayhem on Mile High Sports, AM 1340, FM 104.7. We are as happy as a couple of toddlers this morning. We'll tell you why in just a moment. The Blake Street Irregulars podcast is presented by... Tap 14 at 1920 Blake Street, just one half block from Coors Field with 70 Colorado beers on tap, 100 Colorado distilled spirits, amazing American Alpine fare that is locally sourced and rotates seasonally, and a terrific rooftop with views that will awe and inspire you year-round. It is Tap 14, the official sponsor of the Blake Street Irregulars podcast. Benny, do you know why we're so happy this morning? I have no idea. Is it because it's Monday, or is it because you're just happy? No, it's because Charlie Blackman. Oh, that's right. Charlie Blackman. He's here. (laughs) We actually get to see Charlie Blackman play baseball today. Uh, Yes, it is Monday, February 26th, and after three long days of long spring training games, uh, Charlie Blackman will make his spring training debut, his much-anticipated spring training debut. I want to talk about Charlie today on the podcast because it seems like there's a lot of stock and a lot of questions uh, stocked by the Rockies and questions by all of us on the outside looking in, in Charlie Blackman moving down out of the leadoff spot and moving into the three-hole. That is where he will hit today. Uh, Rockies starting lineup as announced against the Diamondbacks. Uh, We'll see David Dahl hitting leadoff, playing in left field. Chris Iannetta, interestingly, uh, the catcher in the two-hole. And then Charlie Blackman in his spring training debut, playing center in the three-hole with Nolan Arenado batting cleanup. We'll worry about the rest of the lineup later. But is the media making too big a deal about Charlie Blackman moving down into the three spot, or is this something really that that is a, is a big deal? Is it something that we should be focusing so intently on this early in spring training as we head into the season? I think this is a huge deal. This is an absolutely huge deal because this affects the whole rest of the lineup. When I think of Nolan Arnato, I think of him as a three-hole hitter. I think of him as possibly a four-hole hitter. But when I see DJ LeMayhew, Nolan Arnato, Charlie Blackman, I think of them as one, two, three. And now all of a sudden, you're kind of playing with that a little bit. And I, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So I, I have this. I, I have a little bit of a trepidation with this, and maybe that's because I have an old school thought about how, you know. You take one of your best leadoff guys and you give him less at bats potentially. And so for me, that scares me a little bit because you're talking about leadoff. Sure, do you want guys on base when Charlie gets up the bat? Absolutely. But that only happens how many times a game does that whole thing work itself out? Now, the stat heads tell me it it actually works out more than you would think to where he would lead off an inning in maybe the fifth or the sixth inning where it would be – you know, once again, one, two, three. But my old school thought is you're taking the bat out of his hands potentially, what, 27 to 100 times in a season? Well, I don't I don't know that the difference between f- the leadoff spot and the number three hole is going to equate to that many at-bats necessarily. Um, you talked for a second there about the old school mentality. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what's at the core of this conversation is the old school mentality of what a leadoff hitter is. So 
Rockies open spring training play on Friday against the Diamondbacks. They played the Reds on Saturday, had the Rangers yesterday. In all three of those games, we saw Rymel Tapia hitting leadoff for the Rockies. Young outfield prospect. We, we really can't even call him a prospect anymore. Um, he's, he's cracked the major league roster uh, quite a few times. Played significant innings last year. But he is, from an old school baseball standpoint, the prototypical leadoff hitter. Small, wiry, fast, sprays the ball all over the yard, gets on base whatever way, shape, and form he can, and then creates some havoc because of his speed on the base paths. Charlie Blackman, on the other hand, the conversation last year about Charlie Blackman was how he is, quote unquote, redefining the leadoff spot, uh-huh. right? We talked about all of the home runs, the 37 home runs, the power numbers that he put up, uh, the 103 RBIs, which set an MLB record out of that spot, the major league or sorry, the National League leading 213 hits, the 137 runs that he scored. Charlie Blackman was not just a get on base, you know, get on, get over, get in type of guy. He he was get himself in. Sure. He was drive the ball over the fence and score, put put one run up before anybody else can even blink. So that's, I, I think at the core of this is looking at saying, are the Rockies, to me, it's, it's a question of, are the Rockies messing with too much of a good thing? Because Charlie Blackman was a great leadoff hitter last year. He did uncanny and unusual things, but he was very, very effective in that role in the sense that as a pitcher, you didn't get, you didn't get an at-bat off. You didn't get to kind of ease into the game because if you made a mistake in that very first at-bat of the game, Charlie Blackman was going to punish you for it. And so there's a lot of ripple effects that that happen further down the lineup if you don't have a guy with Charlie Blackman's uh, bat speed, with his power uh, potential there at the top of the lineup. Because, yes, even though Rymel Tapia did go oppo with a home run uh, earlier uh, in spring training in one of the, in one of the earlier games, it... Rymel Tapia is not the same player as Charlie Blackman. Is that fair to say? That is fair to say. And and I keep hearing this argument about how Tapia should be, you know, your leadoff guy because he looks the part of the leadoff guy. And 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 you know, he 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 is a leadoff guy. He he truly is. And he's going to develop into even a better leadoff guy later on in his career. If that's the case, fine. Put him at nine and put your pitcher at eight. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay? Exactly. Double up that leadoff yeah, th- spot. That's fine. If that's the way you want to go. Also, you you hit on it, and okay, so Charlie Blackman got production in the leadoff spot. A lot of times as the pitcher, the zone's not stretched yet. You're trying to set a precedent. You're going to have to start in with your fastball, try and work the zone, and try and stretch it out. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about uh, the old school Braves, for example, when, when the strike zone would get wider and wider and wider and wider <laughs> throughout the game. Well, that was because the pitcher had the start on the black and then move out and move out and you you saw the catchers move out and it, it was almost an art form after a while that happens in on on the hill for every national league team the leadoff guy usually gets the best pitches and usually it's early in the count and they're trying to you know get ahead of the batter now all of a sudden if you move charlie blackman in the three hole now all of a sudden you're playing with different things. You know the 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 curveball, the changeup, those different things are, are working out of the zone instead of in the zone. I like I said, I could create ten thousand reasons why I can't stand this. It might work though. 
so part of this to also, and again, we're going to, I feel like a broken record sometimes right. going into this, but so much of this also, I think, depends on who's playing first base for the Colorado Rockies, because oh, that's a great point. if you look at this, so if you look at the, at the lineup for today, for example, as they, as they face the Diamondbacks, Ryan McMahon is hitting fifth playing first base behind Nolan Arenado. Okay, so uh, some of this to me is kind of a trickle-down effect because part of it is if Ryan McMahon is your first baseman, right? Let's say, because that's the goal, right? They've, they've sure. said outright that Ryan McMahon, uh, the up-and-coming, you know, power-hitting infielder who's can play either corner, but they're, they like him at first, obviously, because they have Nolan at third base. If he's your first baseman, that's going to push Ian Desmond back to the outfield, right? Are you telling me that in that scenario, if Ian Desmond is your left fielder, that you are going to put somebody like Gerardo Parra on the bench, a, a longtime major league player, hit over 300 last year, uh, challenged for a gold glove, who was a gold glove finalist last year. You're going to leave a guy like that on the bench, or you're going to leave a guy like Ian Desmond, who you're paying $70 million and is a former all-star? Which one of those two guys are you going to leave on the bench to put Rymel Tapia in your leadoff spot? So to me, there's some there's some kind of fuzzy math going on there in terms of of proven commodities just to try and force feed Rymel Tapia into this leadoff role so that you can put Charlie further back in the lineup. So as much as Charlie Blackman's move down to the three spot has has interesting elements to it just by by itself, so much of it to me depends on other roster moves and other plans that they have for this roster. And so to, to look at it and say that, oh yeah, well we're going to move Charlie, Bla because look, Charlie Blackman could hit three hole on pretty much any any team outside, I mean, pick a, pick a team where he wouldn't. Maybe the Nationals with Bryce Harper. Sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, sure. pick, pick a team where, you know, may, maybe the Astros, right? Um, there, there's a few other, there's a few teams out there where Charlie Blackman, with his skill set, couldn't successfully hit as a three-hole hitter. But to me, if you're trying to force-feed Charlie as the three-hole hitter, if, if it's not Tapia, then who else would it be? If if we're saying that Ryan McMahon is the first baseman, then who else would it be? Because if Ryan McMahon is not the first baseman, if Ian Desmond is your first baseman, okay, now we have a little bit more flexibility. But who else would it be if it's not Ryan Mel Tapia? Because you can't leave Desmond and Parra off the field on a daily basis. Well, not only that, too, but we also talked about, okay, now what with Nolan Arenado? So Nolan Arenado... DJ LeMahieu. DJ is obviously your two-hole guy. He is a two-hole guy. He might be one of the best two-hole hitters in all of the league as far as what he can do with the bat, move runners over, and different things of that nature. I'm fine with that. But now, Nolan Arenado, where does he hit in this whole situation? You talked about Trevor Story. Okay, now what the heck do you do with Trevor Story? Are you are you putting him further down the lineup? Is that kind of a move to do that where you give him more fastball? You know, what's going on? It's a trickle-down effect. So you talked at the right off the bat. You said, are we blowing this out of proportion? Absolutely not. I see this as an interesting uh, experiment that probably isn't going to pay off. Meaning, I think they go back to what works. I really do. I think this is something that you play with. You look defensively. You see some different things. What happens if a guy gets injured? Okay, yes, then then Charlie Blackman is kind of a guy that you can move up and down. But, man, I, I just don't see this as opening day. I don't see this as the option. Yeah, to me, it's a little bit of maybe a smoke and mirrors game mm -hmm. that, that Bud Black is playing with the opposition, uh, especially. I mean, again, you look at the lineup that he's throwing out there against the D-backs, whom the Rockies will open the regular season against. And you've got Chris Iannetta hitting second, which is, I mean, Iannetta's 
you know, I mean, he's a veteran player, but is he ever going to hit in the in the number two? He's hole probably in your joking lineup? about this right now. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's down there at. In fact, you know me. That's how I'm used. Yeah, two hole guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, you know, yeah. a, a hustle type of a position. No, I mean, we we know that there are certain positions locked in. We know DJ will be hitting in the second spot. There's there's really no question about that. You brought up Trevor Story, and and I think Story is an interesting character because. To me, story works well in the four hole if you can wrap around him two contact hitters. And f- and if you can wrap around him two guys that they really have to be mindful about um, and not worry and not have to think so much about uh, about prote- you're basically protecting him in the lineup, not have to worry about so much about, oh, this is a guy that we can go out and attack. But we have to really, you know, we have to give him some protection in that lineup. So if you can keep Nolan in that number three spot. Who then slides into the five behind Story if he's hitting four? Is it a Gerardo Parra who proved last year that he does have a little bit better maybe eye than he's had in years past, that he's not quite the the big strikeout guy, that he's going to be a contact type of a hitter? I'd like that idea. Is it maybe an Ian Desmond who can be a professional hitter behind Story? If it's 2013 Ian Desmond, that's your guy. Yes, yes, 2018 Ian Desmond, 2017 we Ian Desmond. We don't know, right. We don't know, will, will Ian Desmond in 2018 look like Ian Desmond in 2017 mm-hmm. or in 2013? But yeah, you're absolutely right. So, I mean, you the, the, the tough part is you can't push a guy like Nolan or Charlie that far down the lineup, right? Yeah. Now you're starting to uh, now you're starting to talk about losing at bats if you're if you're pushing a guy like that down into the five hole, uh, but without someone like Mark Reynolds to either hit four or five, someone there to kind of protect Trevor's story uh, from that perspective, you know, does a Chris Iannetta slide into that into that five spot? We're going to see this this lineup evolve, and I think you're seeing right now is a lot of tinkering and a lot of just kind of Bud Black feeling things out to see what might this look like. You, you know, you mentioned the injury concern, and, and obviously, you know, we saw how that could wreak havoc on, on the roster last year with Ian Desmond's hand injury. It happened two years prior when, when Daniel Descalso went down yep. and, and Trevor story was injected into that lineup you know sometimes it has positive results um in fact both of those situations it it somewhat did trevor story came out of the gates really really strong in 2016 and mark reynolds had you know arguably one of the best years of his career in 2017 both of those guys came in in injury replacement situations so i think it's good to give rymel tampia these at bats that these opportunities because as you said whether it's whether it's as a leadoff spot hitter or hitting maybe in the nine hole with a pitcher hitting eight or something along those lines. That's the type of role that he's going to fulfill. And I think it's good for them to see this from Rymel Tapia right now, because again, we talked about this over and over and over on the podcast, but we don't know what 2019 is going to look like. We don't know if Charlie Blackman is going to be there or not. And so it's good to get Rymel Tapia these reps in that spot, considering that in 2019, he might be having to fill that role. What scares me is, is this what the lineup does look like in 2019, taking Nolan out of it? Well, Nolan will still be here in 2019. In 2019, but yeah. later on, 2020, 2021, <laughs> is that is that is this a foreshadowing of that? Or There's no way they could be thinking this far out, but let me put you know the tinfoil hat on for a second. You know, Can you replace the production? No, but can you somewhat figure out a way to fill that hole you have tappy at one dj at two charlie blackman at three well nolan somewhere else yeah that, and i think that's the ultimate question is in 2020 i hate going back to this right, every time yeah. but it's about those three guys but it, it really is and, and, you know 
Jeff Breidich mentioned this last week during Cactus League Media Day that they are going to continue to have these conversations with these players so long as both sides feel that it is not a distraction. And it won't be public. They've been very, very clear about that. They will not discuss it. Don't expect to get answers. Don't even bother asking the question because... Those conversations will be had, but they will not be the terms of which will not be made public in terms of we're talking about whether Nolan, uh, who becomes an unrestricted free agent in 2020 or Charlie and DJ, who become unrestricted free agents after this season, uh, whether those guys are looking at long term contracts with the Rockies. And so I think so much of this. What we're seeing right now is in the early, early days. And keep in mind, we're playing spring training games in you know, early February, or I shouldn't say early February, but early in the cycle, late February, you we're about a week ahead of schedule from what we usually see on the uh, on the spring training docket. So, you know, I, I, I understand why Bud Black is just kind of, you know, throwing the cards out onto the table and saying, hey, let me let me just pick one out of there. I mean, if you look at the at the rosters, I mean, it, it, at the box scores in these games, it, it looks almost like an entire major, you know, sure. major league roster is being put out on the field. And you're seeing guys who, you know, aren't even on the 40 man who are seeing significant time right now. So, you know, you have to take all of this with a grain of salt. But they have said very openly that they want to get an early look at Tapia. They want to get an early look at McMahon to decide whether or not these guys can contribute in these roles. And so even though, you know, ordinarily we wouldn't be freaking out as much about Charlie Blackman sliding down into the three hole. We kind of have to because they've told us over and over again that we're going to see some experimentation because this is what we may have to do this year. And and it's to me, I, I think ultimately Bud Black is going to go back to what worked last year. Right. Why? Why mess with why mess with the formula that got you 87 wins? Right. So if that's the scenario, you have Charlie Blackman hitting leadoff. You have DJ LeMahieu hitting second. You have Nolan hitting third. Now the question, if you don't have Mark Reynolds, is who is your number four? Well, so you would like to have Trevor Story be your number four. You just talked about that. But can he lay off the, you know, I, last year I said Trevor Story has a problem with people that can throw a curveball in the 70s because everybody can throw a curveball in the 70s. So you would like to have that. You would also, truth be told, you'd like one of the, you'd like a David Dahl. You would like somebody like that to step in there and and all of a sudden just start raking and just start hitting seeds all over the place. Um, you know, Peter Gammons once said, if you want to see a team two years into the future, watch their spring training game two years back. So, you know, it, that's, that's kind of how things set up. It's going to be interesting to see where those other guys hit because it's probably not para. I mean... It, you would, you would, you know, he can do that, but it's probably not him. He's probably your sixth guy. Yeah. Um. You know, maybe, maybe even your five hole. So it, it's got to be one of those guys. Do you think is there a possibility that it's cargo? He's you know, not there. He's not there yet. But again, we talk about there's just simply too many bodies. That's for true. the space, and that that ultimately becomes the difficulty. Anilo and I spoke about this at length uh, on a previous podcast. Uh, Anilo Piro, who covers mile uh, covers the Rockies for milehighsports.com. Like um, good guy. <laughs> um, he's one of our regular guests here on the Blake Street Irregulars. Uh, again, I am Casey Lights, GM of Mile High Sports. I'm joined with joined by Benny Bash, co-host of Morning Mayhem on Mile High Sports AM 1340 FM 104.7. Cargo's potential return, I, I think there's some some real difficulties and issues with it. Number one being, are the Rockies willing to spend that much money on a guy who's already 
looking at being in a crowded position, right? We, we, we've kind of put the number around $10 million. We think if the Rockies were willing to pay Cargo $10 million one year, for 10 million one bucks. year, yeah, that would probably get the deal done. Yep. But I can't see the Rockies, after spending, after committing, I shouldn't say spending, they won't spend $100 million on new acquisitions this year, but they've committed $100 million this offseason. When you look at numbers that big, you say, oh, well, what's another 10? But I just can't see them bringing in someone at $10 million in a position where we've already mentioned Ian Desmond, Gerardo Parra, Rymel Tapia, and David Dahl. You've got four guys competing for two outfield positions. Why would you bring in a fifth when you could spend that money potentially on a first baseman? Right, and and that's it's kind of uh, you know you have riches in the outfield, and odd man out is probably Cargo. However, if he's willing to come back to Colorado on a one-year deal in order to kind of quote unquote resurrect his his career or or build his his future salary, if he comes back at eight and a half or nine, how do you tell Cargo no? Well, he's going to have to do that wherever. Yeah, he wherever goes. he's and, at. And I think that's the thing, maybe that Cargo hasn't that hasn't clicked yet for him is that wherever he goes, because of the poor start that he had to twenty seventeen, it's a prove it deal. No one is, yeah, yeah. no one is going to jump jump out of their shoes to give Cargo, who's still in his early thirties, a, a three or four year deal because of how poor he looked in the early parts of last year. It's probably unfair to Cargo because he was so good in the in the couple of years before that. You you can't fault the guy for maybe getting a little tight in that contract year, especially after we learned late in the season that he had turned down a multi-year extension with the Rockies. And, you know, if I'm Jeff Breidich, that might sit a little bit sour with me to say, hey, look, this guy turned me down. I offered him a four-year deal. He turned me down because he was going to prove me, prove to me that he was worth so much more than I offered. Then he goes out and lays an egg for the entire, you know, basically up to the all-star break. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure there's just a little bit of friction there. Um, you know, obviously, Cargo's done great, great things for this club for a long, long time. And, and I think, you know, that ultimately will will be more important. But if you're another MLB GM, you know that you have all of the leverage in the world against a guy like Cargo because you can just continue to point to it and say, well, hey, look at what you did last year. It was it was a down year for you. So, you know, for me, I, I think, you know, even six or seven million dollars. Rockies would say, yeah, let's do it. $10 million cargo would say, yeah, let's do it. Uh, but again, I'm not, I'm not so sure that, that spending that kind of money makes sense when you've got the depth that you have. Not to mention Mike Talkman, who saw significant time up in the majors last year. And, you know, not huge, huge at bats, but he was up and down, you know, several times. They like him. He's going to be in the lineup today playing right field, batting seventh. So, you know, again, add another person into that mix and all of is he a proven commodity no not necessarily but he's somebody that they're potentially going to need in a couple three years they got to get him those reps they've got to get him that experience and if you've got you know four guys that you feel confident in not to mention charlie blackman i just don't see the need for having carlos gonzalez there and so you know all of these it's funny because it's it really is this giant chess game that's being played right now with the rockies really they're you know they're 25 men if, if we talk about it the 40 man is is pretty much established but it's the 25 man the the guys that are going to be on that opening day roster that are the big question marks what's funny is how, how much of this all hinges on mcmahon the young kid, right? So if if McMahon if McMahon shows that he's he's ready for the the <laughs> the show, so to speak, and and he can step in there, now you have this riches out in the outfield with Ian Desmond and the whole thing there. Now, but if he's not ready, you have to have Desmond at first. Now all of a sudden, you know, 
chips start to fall, the lineup starts to 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 get messed with a little bit. You're looking at these things and you're looking at those other options. And now you're not even looking at maybe cargo. Maybe you're looking at another part and piece. You know, David Dahl, for example, Dahl's health, all those different things. So you're going to have to figure this out, and you're going to have to figure it out quick. Well, put me down for it. Charlie Blackman will be hitting leadoff on opening day <laughs> yeah. against the Diamondbacks. <laughs> We're going to talk about this more, but I'm I'm going to say right now, uh, all of this will just be uh, a, a big ploy by Bud Black just to get everybody else thinking – get clowns like us talking about it and, and making too much of it. Yeah, good job, buddy. You just got us talking about it and you just got us all fired up. Right. So that it, mission accomplished. Well, we will, uh, we will check back in on Thursday. We'll talk about how Charlie has looked in that number three spot. This is the Blake street irregulars podcast. A big thank you to Benny bash co-host of morning mayhem on mile high sports AM 1340 FM one Tune in to him every weekday from 9am to 11am. And when you're not doing that, Please make sure to visit our friends at Tap 14 at 1920 Blake Street, one half block from Coors Field with 70 Colorado beers on tap, 100 Colorado distilled spirits, amazing American Alpine fare that is locally sourced and rotates seasonally, and terrific rooftop views all year round. Tap 14 is your place for Rockies baseball. Follow them on Twitter at TapXIV or find them online at Tap14.com. For Benny Bash, I am Casey Light. We will talk to you on Thursday. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.